Welcome to the Living Clean Podcast. I'm your co-host Mason S. With me as always is Travis K. This podcast is not meant to replace meeting, sponsorship, step work, or service. This is meant to be just another tool in your recovery toolbox. Our guests are here to share their experience, strength, and hope with recovery through Narcotics Anonymous. Thank you for joining us. All right, welcome back to the Living Clean Podcast. I'm your co-host Mason S. With me, as always, is TK. Yeah, yeah. We're back for episode number ten, and today we've got Mr. Joshua R. How you doing, Joshua? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Wonderful, man. Wonderful. You want to start off by telling us your clean date and uh, where you attend meetings? My clean date is August third, two thousand nine. I attend meetings in Bloomington, Illinois, which is Siena, Central Illinois area, Narcotics Anonymous. So why don't you give us a quick rundown of what life looked like before you found Narcotics Anonymous? <laughs> well, I started using when I was 14, um, pretty young, started off with uh, drinking alcohol, smoking marijuana, and it just progressed to uh, every drug you can think of. So I was very open-minded when it came to using. Uh, I didn't discriminate. You know, I think just like with any uh, any addict, uh, it just got worse, got progressively worse. Um, got kicked out of high school, dropped to high school dropout. Um, 14, parents kicked me out. Uh, moved with grandma uh, eventually grandma kicked me out uh, became homeless in and out of jail prison uh, Illinois Department of Correction numerous treatment centers uh, 15 of them before I got clean mm. um, started going into treatment when I was 18 that's when I was introduced to Narcotics Anonymous. And just, just like with any addict, man, just using, 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 using. And I think we all know how, how what it's like to use. Um, just just everything, just homelessness in, in and out of prison, jail, and treatment centers, just a uh, just never-ending stream, just going back and forth with it. I did that up until I was 27 when I got clean. They brought NA into the facility you was at. What was the first thing that kind of stood out that that kind of caught your ear? Or well, you, you the first thing, the first thing that I caught on to, I didn't really like it. Um, three guys came in to a treatment center, did an H and I panel. They said they were members of Narcotics Anonymous. Uh, I got up. They got up, gave me a hug. I didn't know what to think about that. I didn't like that too much. Um, my, my whole thought process with it was, if you're not a female, do not touch me. <laughs> so I was very uncomfortable with NA. I was very uncomfortable with the three gentlemen that came in and did the H&I panel. And, uh, yeah, it was a very uncomfortable thing for me. Um, that's what I remember the most. I mean, from the very first time. I was introduced to NA, which was with through H and I um, hospitals and institutions in my first treatment center. Eighteen years old. So you were eighteen the first time you were introduced to NA, and you didn't get clean until you said twenty-seven. 
27. What, what led you back to the fellowship? What led me back was the using, of course, and then the consequences, the stuff that brought me with that, and that was treatment center. So I was always introduced to Narcotics Anonymous through, through H&I via a treatment center. Um, I lived in treatment centers. I thought, you know, that was going to fix me. Um, my first time going, um, my parents threatened to never speak to me again if I didn't go get help. So that was my initial reasoning for going to that first treatment center and get in, and getting introduced to NA. So I was always brought back to NA through H and I in one way or another shape, you know, shape or form. So Josh, you said you did some, some jail time or prison time or something. Did they yes. bring an H and I meeting in that facility as well? Always, always. Um, where I'm, where I live, it was always an H and I panel. I was always reintroduced to Narcotics Anonymous, you know, through that, through, through that committee. Man, I think that brings up a good point. You know, shout out to the people who are out there in the trenches bringing in H and I meetings in those facilities, and you know, somebody that may have seen you at eighteen may have looked at you and thought this guy's never going to get it, but you know, you find yourself nine years later walking into an NA meeting. I just, I think that's incredible, man. And, and it's, it's a great testament to those of us that do H and I do those type of things, you know? Yes, absolutely. Have you had the opportunity to do H and I since you got into the fellowship? I'm, I'm an active H and I member. I mean, I you know that's where I found my niche. Um, that's where I, I really, you know, dove into because I'm an alumni from everywhere. Right. So, so how fitting for uh, me as uh, someone that's a member of Narcotics Anonymous that's clean now, and uh, that's what I enjoy doing the most. Josh, what are some of the benefits you've got out of doing H and I? Um, well, one of the main things is like, uh, like when I go into that H and I panel, particularly the county jail I, uh, that's what i really enjoy because i get to go into the, the jail and actually come back out the jail you know um and, and and that for me is a sense of freedom that's a sense of freedom you know not only does it you know bring the narcotics anonymous message into the county jail but it also helps me and it helps me stay clean it helps me stay grounded you know and it helps me keep that foundation through 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 that um you know, we keep what we have only by giving it away. I'm a true believer in that and, and being able to give back what was freely given to me. So I enjoy doing that the most. And I, and I think that's what really benefits me the most. So, Josh, the people that brought in the H&I meeting into whatever facility that you was in, whichever one, when you walked into that, maybe the, the first meeting, was any of those people in that meeting? Well, here, here's a funny story is that, uh, you know, the, the by the time that I went to that first treatment center, was introduced to um, N.A. through H&I, I went back to that same treatment center that I was in the first time. And there them three guys was still doing the H&I. <laughs> and, and that's where I really that last time in treatment, that's where I really like caught on and grafts onto the fact that maybe there is something legit about this na stuff because here 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 it is like nine nine almost ten years later 
you know, coming back to that 15th treatment center and there these guys are in NA doing the H and I panel and, and they, and they see me, you know what I'm saying? They see me, they see, they see the guy that was, you know, nine and a half, 10 years before back in this treatment center. So that was pretty cool for me. Josh, man, I follow you on, um, on social media and, and man, you always keep me rolling, but I think a lot of things that, you know, they, they've created memes and stuff for you, but I, I think a lot of the things that the message that you're trying to get across is, is about the clarity of the fellowship. And why is that to you so important? Yeah, it's, it's funny because like, uh, you know, I, I used to be one of them people that was so defiant when it comes to the Narcotics Anonymous program. And here I am so stern with it now. Because I understand the importance of the clarity, the the uh, purity, the the uh, um, you know uncut, the, the just that that pure message, you know, um, and how it affected me and how I thought stuff was differently. And uh, you know, I finally bought into that of what they were trying to tell me from so early on in my life and and in, in my addiction and in my recovery. You know, and getting clean this time, you know, it's like uh, now it's just like um, the, the people that are so defiant or something that I, I relate and I say to myself, well, that used to be me. And I used to think that it wasn't a big deal. And now that I'm clean and I've been clean, you know, I just I just really grab a hold of the importance of it. And, and I'm just real stern on it. You know, from the outside looking in, it looks like you're kind of being a hard ass, but at the same time, it is so very important that, especially when we do things like we're doing now, that we, if we're going to claim to be talking about Narcotics Anonymous, that we carry a clear message, right? Like it's so easy to get twisted and for us to get confused and think that we're talking about a disease of a specific substance when we're not, we're talking about the disease of addiction in a whole. And for us to get that twisted, man, is to think that once I put that specific substance away, then I'll be okay. Oh, man, absolutely. So, Josh, I understand that you're coming up on 14 years. You're 13 years clean now. What does recovery look like for you today? I'm, I, me specifically and individually, like, I'm still um, ingrained like I was when I first got here. Um I'm just as passionate as I was when I, when I first got here. I've never lost hold of that. I've, you know, um, I'm a big believer in staying grounded in the fellowship and in the program. I don't believe I'm taking a break. I don't, you know, I've always had a sponsor. I've always had a home group. I've always been involved with service. I've always been involved. I believe in all of that. And I believe in staying and staying grounded in that and then principles, no matter how far along I've gotten clean or how, how far I've stayed in this process. Um, it's just as important as it was as day one, because not only now is it about me, it's about the next person that walks in Yeah. the next person that walks in the door to my home group, you know, that, cause I haven't forgot, I haven't forgot what it was like to pick up that first, you know, that white key tag and surrendering and saying, Hey, it's over with, you know, um, 
it's, it's, it's still it's still ingrained in me, so I, I've never lost sight of that. Let's talk about step work 13 years into the program, specifically step one. How has your understanding of step one changed from when you first walked in until today? Well, first, uh, you know, I'll try to mix in that other question you had about keeping a clear message. Like uh, when I first got here, um, I was so confused. Um, my sponsor asked me, well, what is step one? You know, and I was like, well, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol and then life's been unmanageable, right? And my sponsor said, well, uh, that's not it, Josh. And I'm like, well, I said, well, we admitted we were powerless over drugs and a lot, my life is unmanageable. And he said, Josh, that's still not it. I think you might want to take a look and, and read it. And I said, well, uh, since we were admitted we were powerless over our addiction and that our lives have become unmanageable. Um, my understanding of first, the first step, because I, I'll go back to that first treatment center you kind of mentioned about the certain drugs. Like, I thought I had a heroin problem. I thought I had a crack problem. I thought I had a uh, meth problem. I thought I had a, you know, and go down the line. But I didn't think that I had a, a an alcohol problem or I didn't think that I had a marijuana problem. I wanted to pick and choose what drugs and what substances I used. That's what drew me to the Narcotics Anonymous program this time because we don't focus we focus on the disease of addiction. You know, we don't focus on a any particular certain substance. Matter of fact, we don't care, you know, what you use, how much you use, or, or none of that. That it was important for me to know that my reactions to drugs is what makes me ad an addict, not what I used. I struggled with that for a long time. Um, because I went into that first treatment center and I got that message from them guys in H and I, and I said, well, wait a minute, you're telling me that you don't drink. Are you serious? Like, are you, you're telling me you don't, you know, smoke marijuana. Like I couldn't fathom that thought and I couldn't, you know, I couldn't really grasp that. So, you know, understanding the first step you know i thought you know the drugs were a major problem i'm the ultimate problem you know i i have the disease of addiction and how it's manifested for me like um now the disease of addiction manifests itself in um gambling um you know uh, it comes at me with different things um how 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 i treat people um how it interferes with my feelings and my actions and my behavior. Like it's more, it's more uh, balanced surrounded over other things, not just drugs because drugs are out of the picture. The drugs have been out of my, out of the picture for a long time. Um, the disease of addiction manifests itself in all areas of my life. So I've had to, you know, apply the first step in a bunch of different other areas in my life. So, it's definitely um, has a different meaning from when I first got here, for sure. So, Josh, have you ever heard about the no chemical solution to a spiritual problem? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. What's your take on that? Well, 
like I said, I thought the drug was the problem. You know, I, I came in here, I was slamming heroin, and you know, you know, throughout the years of being in treatment, throughout the years of me trying to, you know, get clean. You know, they put me on methadone. You know, they put me on. You know, I tried to substitute one drug for another. I had a big, you know, I had a big thing, a big issue with that. You know, I used to say and rationalize things in my head. You know, at least, you know, I'm I'm holding down a job. Um, At least I'm not putting a needle in my arm. You know, at least I'm alive still. It's keeping me alive. You know, I, I ran that to the, to, you know, I ran that through the roof. You know, I, I, I use that rationalization to keep going. So I tried to, you know, fill that void, you know, and and rationalize it to death, you know, with my thinking with that. And it, it was a hard thing for me to get over. And it was a hard thing for me to realize so much for when this last time, cause I'm a big believer in surrender. I mean, you know, with all the stuff with harm reduction and, and all these cliches and all the stuff that the treatment centers are putting out nowadays, um, you know, I struggled with that. So I, I had to come to terms with the fact that Narcotics Anonymous was a program of complete abstinence that, like you said, there was no chemical solution to a spiritual problem. Um that that's the disease of addiction, man. Um, all day long. So, I, you know, I struggled with that for a long time. But like with anybody else, you know, I had to find out for myself. You know, and I had to keep going back out there and trying it again, and, and doing all those things and repeating the same thing over and over again until eventually, when when I surrendered on August third, two thousand nine, I didn't even go back to the treatment center. Um, I didn't even go back to any kind of methadone program or anything that they had going on. You know, I was ready to get clean for real. So I like to always say there's no substitute for surrender because I'm a, I'm a big believer in what the literature says about surrender. And, uh, I surrendered, I did what I had to do. You know, there was no more mask in it. There was no more, you know, um, trying to use that as a, as a, a scapegoat, as a cop out. I got clean and I got clean for real. Yeah. And see, I think a lot of the people that we see, uh, that, that when I say we, I'm talking about you and I see that give you a lot of slack. I don't think they understand the frustration that comes from when you see people say some of these things that you can see yourself in them. And it's frustrating to see people falling into the same traps that you might've fell into, you know, for us that, believe in total abstinence like the program teaching teaches us it is frustrating to see people falling back into these i guess socially acceptable prisons that they're that they're you know participating in that's good stuff so you mentioned the literature a minute ago man what's some of your favorite nuggets out of the literature oh like i just like i just shared uh you know um the first The first most powerful thing that, you know, I've, you know, read or incorporated in my life is that surrender piece and the first step in the it works how and why. I can go on with tradition three, an addict, you know, can be 
analyzed, counseled with, reasoned with, prayed over, threatened, beaten, locked up. One painful fact is emerging again and again. An addict who does not want to stop using will not stop using. I go to that third, third tradition. Um, I'm mainly a basic text guy. Um, I'm not a real fan of the new literature that's out. I'm just a I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a real old school with the NA stuff. I'm I'm just a big believer in the basic text. Um, the first ten chapters, you know, uh, I'm a big um, big into that. Me and my sponsor and my sponsees. I mean, we go straight from the book out of the out of the first ten chapters, and you know, there's several pieces in there, you know, that that stand out to be my favorite. Uh, we go to Who's an Addict, where it talks, you know, about the living skills being reduced to the animal level. We can go to the first step um, when it talks about all the things, the different things that we tried. I could even back it up and go to Why Are We Here, um, where it, it lists off some more stuff. Um, some real powerful stuff for me is a, is a real important for the newcomer, Chapter 5, What Can I Do? Mm-hmm. Uh, my sponsor, that was like, that really grabbed a hold of me. Um, that was some of the stuff that I studied. Oh, and recovering relapse just blows my wig back every time I read it. I go back to that chapter because if you look at relapse in the dictionary, my picture is right next to it. <laughs> um, so I know all about the relapse. I, I know all about going back out and using and that whole chapter seven recovering relapse, you know, describes it perfect to the T. I mean, I could just go on and on in that chapter and just pick stuff out of there and just really get to the nuts and bolts of the stuff that I didn't believe in, um, the stuff that I did believe in, that I finally believed in, and the stuff that I started really listening to for for me in my own life uh, when it came to getting clean. Just basic. I'm, I'm just a basic text guy. Yeah, me too, man. So let's shift gears for a second. Let's talk about what are some of your biggest struggles that you have today? You know, my struggles, I, I would say um, biggest would be relationships. Um, and I don't mean romantic relationships. I'm just relationships in general. You know, the literature talks about relationships be a terribly painful area. Um, I'm talking about, you know, family, you know, mom, dad, um, you know, even with myself. Um higher power, uh, sponsor, um, kids, you know, I, I would say that's, you know, I struggle with that the most, um, even today still, I, I still have to work on that on a day-to-day basis. Um, it's never, it's a, it's always a, I always like to say it's that third part of that, of our message, you know, the spiritual part, you know, our message is an addict, any addict can stop using drugs, you know, I've done that. That's the first part, you know, lose the desire to use. That's the mental part. Um, you know, I've lost the desire to use. I don't sit there, you know, think about using all day long anymore, but that third piece, find a new way to live. That's the spiritual part. Now that part I struggle with, and that's the part, you know, where that relationships come in, the, being that spiritual part of our message that I struggle with even today. I always have to ask for help. You know, I always have to look at myself. Um, uh, you know, I go to sleep at night. I, I live with the choices and decisions I make. 
uh, with relationships and in and, and, and any area of my life with anybody, I always have to work on that on a day-to-day basis. That's a never-ending stream of thing that until the day that I die, that I believe that I'll be working on that. I don't want somebody new to get it twisted. This, you know, the man said he's been in recovery for 13 years now. I know his life is drastically different than when he walked in. However, you know, this is a lifelong process and, and there are still struggles. And, uh, you know, I think some of the worst things, you know, that we learned the hard way is sometimes we can put people with time up on a pedestal and we really hinder them when we do that. We got to realize, you know, the still sick and suffering addict can be the guy with all the time in the room too. Absolutely. I'm a big uh, believer. You know, I, I used to parrot. I used to be a parrot. I used to uh, hear something in the meeting and then repeat it because it sounded good. You know, and, and one of the things that I used to parrot, uh, a lot of people say, you know, clean time doesn't equal recovery. Our literature actually says the opposite. Clean time speaks for itself. Like I don't, I know there's there's certain part there's certain parts in recovery and relapse. You know, I can go back to where it says, you know, our disease involved much more than using drugs, so our our recovery must be more than civil abstinence, right? I know mm-hmm. it says that. I, I always tell people, don't put me on a pedestal because if you do, I'll let you down. There is no model for the recovering addict. There is no perfect spit shine clean addict. People aren't perfect. We 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 make mistakes. So I can't go in judging someone like trying to uh, measure somebody's recovery. You know, try to cipher uh, how much clean time or recovery they got. You know what I'm saying? Because I know in my life I've made a lot of bad choices clean, a lot of bad mistakes clean. So because I used to be in that in that. In that, in that meeting, and I used to say to myself, well, that person shouldn't act like that. You have this and this amount of clean time. You know, my sponsor said, well, get get that person's clean time and, t- and tell me how you're supposed to act. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I had to, I had to learn, you know, we, we make bad choices, bad mistakes. We're trying to get better a day at a time. Um, we're, 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 we're trying to make the, be- the next best move, but we're also human. And we make them bad choices. So I don't look at it like that. Like if you clean, you got a chance to make, you, you got a chance to get better. You know, and, that, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get better. You know, um, staying clean must come first. That's the first thing that I got to do. But I also have to grow in this process, man. We all, we all differ in degree of sickness and rate of recovery. And, and for me, that's been so true. Like, uh, I, I practiced the program differently than I did with five years, you know, with, you know, 13 years. And, and when I get, you know, farther on in my recovery, I might practice stuff differently from when, from, from what I do now, you know, this it's, it's always a, a lot about what she's talking about just a second ago. Josh is, is the whole thing with the honest desire that they took out. Yes. That really yeah. reminds me of, what you was talking about, you know, because we can't measure somebody's desire. Right. Because if they went off that, I would have never got clean. Let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) No doubt. No doubt. You know, Oh, an addict that we talk to all the time always says, I just had a desire to stop hurting. And, uh, absolutely. 
you know, um, not everybody's willing to do everything that's required right off the bat, but sometimes just being willing to do something different, even if it's one action, um, may end up saving your ass, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Remaining the same becomes greater than the pain of change. We will surely let go. Yep. Absolutely. If you're new, get a hold of somebody who are cl- who's clean uh, that's doing this thing. Grab a hold of them. Um, I always like to tell the people that are new, get that phone list. Man, get them phone numbers because I, I tell you what, uh, that in the beginning, that's what saved my ass. Like uh, I, I stayed on the phone. You know, and no matter what, obviously don't use, you know, find a sponsor, get that home group, get involved, go to meetings regularly. Um, one of the most important things I did was if you get if you get to a meeting, get that basic text and start reading it. It's the only book. It says many books have been written about the nature of addiction. This book concerns itself with the nature of recovery. And it says if you're an addict, it says please read me. If you found this book, please read me. That was huge in the beginning. I got that book and I started reading it. You know, who's an addict? I start, you know, I started at the beginning of the book. My sponsor said, look at the first page. I looked at the first page. There wasn't nothing on the page. He said, I went back to him. I said, there ain't nothing on the page. He said, that's what you know about staying clean. Read the book because that book <laughs> is going to, it's, 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 it's basic. It's a basic book. That's the basic principles in that book that's going to help you stay clean. Follow that book like a cookbook, uh, like a recipe on how to uh, on how to make some food. This is a recipe on how to stay clean. I got the book. I started reading it. I got a dictionary. I started breaking down the words, and I, and I started reading that thing, and I met with my sponsor. I always tell the relapser, don't give up, double up. Um I know, like I said, I already shared. I know what it's like to go back out and try and again. Um, you know, we just buried a couple of addicts here in my area recently within the last three weeks. Um, I was one of them people that kept coming, kept picking up white key tags. I was always the most important person at every meeting. I got tired of that shit. And I picked up that last white key tag. And like my sponsor says, it could have always been a toe tag. Because if you're breathing, you got another shot. You know, and I got that white key tag and I surrendered and I did what these people were fucking telling me and, and I didn't ask questions um, in the beginning. I didn't I, I asked questions after the meeting. Like I went to meetings and I listened. I, I you know, they told me that, you know, if you take, take that cotton, you know what I'm saying, out of them ears and put it in your mouth, if you don't chances are that cotton will end up back in the spoon. So in the beginning, like I shut my mouth long enough to listen to people who were clean. That was huge for me because I was one of those addicts that thought I knew everything. I was always one. I said, Josh, if you know so much about staying clean, why isn't your ass clean? There's a reason you ain't clean. There's a reason why you kept using. So that's, that, you know, that's the, the most, the basic things that I tell people that that are new and that are that are relapsing and coming back you know just give yourself a you give your chance a chance mm-hmm. and uh this stuff will start making sense josh we sure appreciated it man thank you for coming on here and um you know keep coming back and you know let's let's stay clean another day man 
Absolutely. Just for today. Thank you, Josh. Hey, family. Just want to add in a quick disclaimer. Um, We talked about some things and had some opinion on things and just want to remind you that Narcotics Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. It's the N.A. name ought never be drawn into public controversy. All the opinions shared on this show were the opinions of the individual members. They are not the opinion of Narcotics Anonymous. Thank you all. See you next week. Thank you for joining us on our Living Clean podcast. This is another platform that we can share our message of recovery, which is an addict, any addict, can stop using drugs, lose the desire to use, and find a new way to live. Join that no matter what club. You can contact us through text. The number is 931-306-9364.